0: Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. It's Wednesday, 26th, on this fine, fine Helsinki afternoon and probably even finer uh, West Coast morning for Mr. Eric, Mr. Adam, and Mr. Joseph, right?
1: What's
2: up? That's correct. Very early morning. All right.
0: <laughs> very early morning good, good thing this good, is a adam. podcast i am not ready for oh. the day oh so adam uh, does that mean you're sitting without your pants on you can dream you can dream <laughs> okay so i was pretty correct <laughs> um, um okay uh so we we have so as you have that mental image we have also some nice articles that we're going to cover today we're going to sh- we're going to start off with eric Talking about shady numbers and bad business inside the esports bubble, an article by Kotaku. Then uh, JK is going to take us through team fight tactics. Everybody's been talking about this and how team fight tax- tactics from Riot could be bigger than League of Legends. Super interesting. Uh, and all the uh, auto battle stuff going on as well. Then Adam uh, is going to talk about Dr. Mario World hitting Android and iOS in July and how it's going to play out. And uh, yours truly is going to talk a little bit about Harry Potter wizard unite, which launched last week on June 21st. Now, um, before we go deeper, we got some, we got some feedback on the, on the podcast. So from uh, from a a prominent listener and and apparently um, this is on JK. Apparently we are, we're too much. We're too. We, we cover too much rumors. JK, how you, how would you, uh, how would you reply to this this feedback?
1: Yeah, come on, Adam, stop with the rumors. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, I feel that that's a that's a fine correlation because I, this feedback came after Adam joined the posse. So, so um, Adam. Uh, if you can back your things a little bit more and just avoid a little bit more rumors and and stay positive. We want to stay positive on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> That's cor- correlation, not causation. Yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah. Come on. That's what, uh, you know, correlation, yeah. calcations, causation, whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, but, but um, yeah. I think all feedback is is most welcome and, um, and rumors are fun. But, but, you know, yeah, rumors are fun. So we also covered some facts. So, Eric, let's jump into some shady facts and shady numbers and bad business practices.
2: All right. Well, first of all, I have to do a quick correction here. All my uh, Super Nintendo fanboy friends uh, wish me to issue retraction on my lack of Nintendo and Zelda knowledge. It is incorrect that multiple Zelda games have not come out on a single platform. In fact, Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask was on the N64 Wind Waker and Four Swords were on the GameCube, although Four Swords wasn't really a Zelda game. Father Princess and Skyward Sword on the Wii. So cool your jets, Mr. Nintendo fanboys. Um, and let's hope Nintendo can get Zelda out before 2022. Um, anyway, so quickly. Um, now, eSports. So for me, eSports has been kind of a hot topic uh, over the past couple of years, uh, particularly given you know the huge investments that in particular Bobby at Activision has made. Um, at Blizzard and in the Overwatch League, you know, 20 teams have been sold between 20 and $30 million over the past few years. And some of the prestigious owners include Robert Kraft, who is the owner of New England Patriots, Jeff Wilpon, owner of the New York Mets, Netties and Tencent, the Hirsch family, Comcast, Drew McCourt, president of McCourt Global, Kevin Chu, my old CEO at Kabam, um, and these are some big players and some big spenders, and many of them share one thing in common: they don't know much about video <laughs> games. So, <laughs> wow! And I think this article does an f- exceptional job, and I have to again give kudos to Mister the Kotaku guys who are just creating these epic stories about you know going really deep on these subjects, and some of it kind of feels kind of what I do is I'm a you know, guy talking to the guys on the line like kind of trying to understand what's going on. And this this article kind of articulates a lot of the things that I've been tracking over the years about this particular part of the business. you know. And again, as I've said many times, these themes is that these are very similar ideas as VR and AR, now Stadia, OUYA, like all these things when you read the press and you read what's going on in the investment community, it just doesn't match what the folks on the front lines are saying about what this business is. You know, the hype. It's really ahead of the reality of the opportunity, so you have to take a lot what you see with a grain of salt. So, the article I'm going to try to summarize. It's quite a long article, and frankly, I don't have the attention span to read the whole thing. But, but fundamentally, the, the basically describes esports as one like it's a Ponzi scheme. You know, the valuations have been hyped beyond reason. Valuations are inflated and completely unsustainable, and definitely headed for a bubble. I think actually we're in the bubble popping as we speak. Um, the, some of the fundamental problems is that they are equating like League of Legends to the NFL and other other esports. The stats are really inflated, unverified, misleading. And in essence, they're fooling these non-gaming people that we've talked about into making massive investments in teams and, and the space in general. We've seen this bubble before, too. This is not like the first time in the mid-2000s we had Dottied Sports. You know, there's a $50 million investment that never made any money. Championship Gaming Series died in 2008 after their financial crisis. But in essence, it kind of continues to go on about Bobby and Blizzard kind of starting this next bubble. They kind of threw League of Legends in there, too, but I don't think that's actually quite accurate. But Blizzard has basically started the next bubble with his absolutely massive investments in infrastructure and teams and, and selling Yeah, these 20 teams. Again, New zoo another you know culprit of over-hyping over stuff. Um, you just can't rely upon their estimates, as was in the article. And also, their, their expectations have fueled additional investments, large-size investments in the space. Now, what New zoo did say is they confirmed that 90% of teams are not making money. Um, they're showing operating losses. But... You know, they're still trying to find a way to profitability for a lot of these teams that they've acquired. And this is not profitability from the investment perspective. This is profitability just from an ongoing perspective. And then it further says, like, you know, valuations are $300 million on <coughs> a $25 million in revenue. I mean, this is not a software company, these are operating esports. So, anyway, so, and then it goes on to like how they make money, right? And, and, and where's the money going or where's the money coming from? There's prize pools, there's media rights. There's advertising and sponsorship, um, and advertising is the big kind of holy grail of of esports. Sponsorships are good, and they're actually get a lot of press, but they're just not a lot of money, right? They're a lot really tiny, um, and so anyway, what I I guess when you read through the article, it just is basically this this diatribe of of, of you know kind of mishaps within the space and 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 how things are not really tracking to where they think they everyone thought they would go right and my take is just there's a lot of misinformation here you know high expectations are set you know i fundamentally think that i have always thought that esports is here it's going to be here forever right there's always going to be demand i think for watching people play games i think it's very exciting and interesting the problem is that like it, it, it's going to be hard to scale beyond that kind of enthusiast group and and to make like the real like advertising dollars that that they're talking about um so when i from all my research talking to guys at riot and 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 guys that are successful in the starcraft it's like these games are all about the marketing expense right and as long as you have and the whole purpose of this marketing is to keep people retained keep people playing your game and as long as you have a robust microtransaction system that takes advantage of retention, like League of Legends, for instance, You're gonna, it, it's going to be a great marketing spend. But anybody you talk to at, at League of Legends, uh, Riot will tell you that this is like a break-even exercise at best, right? And they are the best possible um, experience as esports. So what I worry now is that if you're Bobby at Activision, all your rich friends have now bought all these teams, you know, what's going to happen when this thing kind of like, you know, crumbles. And we're starting to see evidence of that and Bobby's actually talking taking you know, talking to investors saying, "Hey, you know, esports is not going to be as a significant investor, so we're going to see the aftermath of what happens." And meanwhile, Overwatch League has lost its commissioner, it's lost some of its key personnel, and it's got kind of all in disarray. It's so after all this investment and time and energy and all these guys spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these teams, there may be nothing Left um, in the next, you know, six months to a year, so it's it's a bit scary. Um, again, I do think esports is here to stay. I just don't think it's going to be this, you know, super profitable venture um, across the ecosystem. I think it'll continue and always likely be a marketing expense, at least for the next five to ten years. You know, maybe I'm completely wrong. You know, ten to fifteen years from now, I don't know, but I think I'm pretty safe bet for now. So, what do you think, JK?
1: Yeah, so first of all, kudos to the author of this piece, Cecilia De Anastasio from Kotaku. So I totally agree with you, Eric, that Kotaku has been doing a really good job in terms of a lot of the the articles and content that they've been posting. And you know, I just think it's extremely brave to call out some of the companies mentioned, whether it's New Zoo or Curse, and basically sort of the esports establishment. And you can tell the article was fairly extensively researched and produced. I guess the other question I have to your so the stat that you mentioned is what what's what's 90% of 14? Is that is that one esports team? That's that that's actually profitable. <laughs> and just to just to jump back onto the rumor train, <laughs> so that, that would be what team solo mid? Is that is that the one team? Uh, but to your point, you know, clearly esports has been a hype game, caused a bunch of investment and brand dollars to come in. And from my perspective, the main winners off of this hype have largely just been the publishers like Activision Blizzard, who made a ton of money off of team licenses. And then secondly, the esports player themselves, right? So I think it's been great for esports players who have been able to, you know, take advantage of the hype and and then command bigger salaries for themselves. And the big losers then are, you know, these these investors and and the companies buying brand advertising off of the overly hyped stats. And for me, the the amount of fraud for viewership numbers described in the article via, like, curse doesn't actually surprise me too much. It just really reminds me of the big problem we have and that we've covered in previous podcasts on the the mobile side, for example, in the hyper-casual market with fraud via click-spamming. And, uh, you know, the other interesting part for me is just sort of... uh, kind of disappointing is is sort of the canned bullshit responses by Curse and Twitch to the author's request for comments. And and it's really funny because these companies don't actually respond to any of the fraud allegations at all. So Twitch had a short response, which was basically, Twitch has been the go-to destination for esports content for years. We've been at the forefront of the industry's growth and success. And we will continue to invest in esports and competitive gaming as a component of our overall content strategy. Like, what, what does that response have anything to do with the fraud allegations, right? And, and then from Curse, we believe the rapidly growing popularity of esports is a natural result of technological progress. It, it, it's almost as if both companies have the same sort of PR person. But for me, fundamentally, we'll, we'll see how the market plays out. Uh, just to be clear... No one is saying that this market shouldn't exist or doesn't exist, but basically that the hype train kind of went way too far and there's likely a bit of a correction. Adam?
3: Yeah, I completely agree with what's already been said. I'm not going to really add too much to this conversation because I think you guys have already covered it. Um, I would just kind of say that, of course, competitive games are going to continue to grow. Um, But uh, in each one of these games, they're most likely going to need some sort of eSport division Um, just because whenever you look at um, kind of the the growth of many of these games and how some of these games actually bring players back, uh, eSport competitions definitely help. You think about Dota kind of um, combining the compendium, their, ba- their battle pass with eSport tournaments and just how important that is to them for retention and re-engagement. Um, eSports does have a place in those games, um, but it's very much a dev-facing um, feature, They're very much a dev-facing thing. That this is a marketing exercise, not necessarily a massive market. Um, So, yeah. Overall, I think from my outsider's perspective, I've always, it's always been a mystery to me, kind of how they're getting, especially these kind of like middleware companies for esports, the valuations and investments that they are, especially without any sort of clear input. Uh, the other market, not to distract from, I think what the core article is here, but the other market that I have no idea what's going on in is blockchain crypto. <laughs> I, <laughs> like it's, those, those, some of those pitches, I just. They, they don't make any sense to me. Oh my god!
2: Don't yeah, don't get me started on that. I mean, <laughs> my buddy works at uh, the the Kevin Chu uh, joint, and he tries to explain it to me and I am, it is just completely over my head as to what the heck is going on in <laughs> this thing. And it's like, maybe I'm just not smart enough. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, overall, I like, I, like I have to say once is, again, you know, that this was a fantastic article in, like, you know,
0: by Cecilia. They do write yeah. these fun, long articles really, really deep diving into some, some, uh, some nasty stuff that somebody might call rumors. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, my personal experience, again, is, is I've, I've been relatively close to the, uh, the whole esports scene. Uh, my, my wife was actually, um, executive producer for esports for a, a specific company. And, um, and you know, from her perspective as well, it was always like, even like this was years ago, but it was always considered as marketing investment. But then at some point or what, what kind of happened, looking from the sides, like the rise of Twitch, uh, YouTube, the, uh, the rise of influencers and the meaning of influencers, just how many views they're getting, PewDiePie, of course, the number one and, and others, it kind of grew the whole scene where, where suddenly esports was almost like unique selling point. And at the same time, when we're looking at all these investments happening in the esports, we it's it's partly this the rise of you know the Twitch and the YouTubes the 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 ev- valuation of this the, uh, the the views that these top influencers are getting, but also the lack of growth in the uh, the traditional sports as people are watching less and less TV. Uh, we see you know the NFL numbers and others. It's just it's it's not the same, and then the traffic's moving to, to people are moving the eyeballs are moving to a different medium, and and so. That kind of, I think, in my opinion, it it really boosted this investment spree into this sort of a new sports through new medium through the Twitches and the YouTubes of the world, and this this contributed to to uh, to these uh, pretty insane valuation. But I I do have to say, I mean, I mean, I agree with with you guys, like. There are games that that are suited for esports and they're fun to watch and it makes sense and for them it just it's a nice thing that that you know brings them uh, on the forefront of entertainment of course but is at the esports a unique selling point for most of the games for sure not you have to you have to have a specific esports division in your you know in your in your organization you have to have very fair game if you will uh, for for esports and then it's kind of funny that that you have all kinds of companies even mobile gaming companies and you know just adding esports and tacking along to their game that has zero chances of 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 making it as a, as a competitive game so my take is pretty much as yours and i think we can move on and talk about the team fight tactics because i want to hear more about that one
1: all right, so Team fight, the, the next article is, is titled Team Fight Tactics Could Be Bigger Than League of Legends by the pub, uh, publication called Screen Rant. And so, in, in terms of this article, Riot Games recently launched a new mode in League of Legends called Team Fight Tactics. And for, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Team Fight Tactics is a version of the Dota 2 mod called Auto Chess. And this mod was originally released by Chinese company DRODO Studio back in January of this year, so not not so long ago. And the way the game works is that players choose different characters with different abilities and bonuses based on character attributes. And players just place these characters on a game board. And once one or more of the characters are placed, they basically just auto battle. And there are successive battle rounds against seven other players, so eight, eight players in total. And most of the strategy in in this game happens in between the the actual battle rounds. So picking which characters will have good synergies for bonuses, which characters to actually pick, Uh, trying to get uh, the same types of characters, like once you get three of the same type, you can actually fuse them together, picking how to spend gold on the characters or re-rolls for what characters you can buy and when to do your XP leveling to get more characters on the board, that kind of thing. And as of, the, as of the writing of the article, uh, TFT had over 95K viewers on Twitch. And I actually just checked Sully Gnome, which is a Twitch tracker. And it's currently the number three stream game on Twitch. And uh, right around that, that sort of average number of viewers on Twitch. So uh, at least as of this morning, it's showing 98K viewers and sitting at number three just below Fortnite and League of Legends. An interesting point made by the author is that um, the auto chess game's popularity is likely due to how easy it is to stream. So it's easier for streamers, for example, to carry on a conversation, and it's easier to follow along for Twitch viewers to watch. And so just because, like you know, a game like the League of Legends, when especially when you're playing very competitively, competitively, and because it has high such high you know actions per minute, that it, it's actually a lot harder to carry on a conversation and to engage the, the viewers. So there, there are sort of built-in advantages with this kind of a gameplay when it comes to streaming on Twitch. And some of the other advantages mentioned by the author is that, one, the game is relatively new and that there's a much smaller character roster to have to learn. So when you look at a game like League of Legends and they're constantly adding in new new champions... You have to learn these new characters, the new abilities. And so for a new player coming into a game like League of Legends to be competitive, you know the, the learning curve becomes quite formidable. Uh, having said all of that, the author does hedge a lot about whether the author actually believes teamfight tactics will be bigger than League of Legends and sort of kind of admits that, that the title was picked primarily as, as clickbait. But uh, just a couple quick points before I kick it over to the others for comments. But in my opinion, this is definitely one of the big trends when we, when we talk about uh, some, some of the newer games kind of hitting the market and, and one of the genres that is, is being widely discussed. It's like this, Archero, AFK Arena. But in my opinion, I think there are actually going to be a lot of dead bodies trying to compete in the space. And we will see, again, in my opinion... A first wave of games that die here, similar to all of the sort of, you know, Clash of Clans clones and Clash Royale clones that kind of came in and all sort of died. Having said that, I do think it's highly probable that some independent company does come up with a better take on the gameplay and with basically some fundamental improvements on that gameplay. So I, I do think somebody does get rich off of this new genre and is able to uh, challenge the, the, the incumbents here. So from my perspective, we are, in my opinion, in the sort of Myspace phase of Auto Chess, and I think there's a good chance for a new player to come in and become sort of that Facebook of Auto Chess. You know, and, and I especially think that this is true because the established players are, are basically, you know, they're, they're gonna, have, like Valve and Riot, they're gonna have come in with their, with their pretty much straight up clones or very similar games, it's going to be harder for them to pivot off of those designs because if they do, they're going to upset their existing user bases. But anyway, that's my take. Uh, Eric? Yeah. Um,
2: I can, uh, acknowledge that this is a thing. Um, I'm not sure how big it could be. Uh, it feels big for this particular audience. I think, uh, it's also really bad news for Hearthstone and Blizzard because I think it competes directly against that kind of gameplay. I'm not really going to try to estimate it here. I mean, I think we can get back in the next couple of weeks and see kind of the initial metrics of this and see how big it could be. Um, but what can I can say? And in, in my world, it's like this is kind of illustrating at how flat-footed Blizzard is, right? This is their wheelhouse. You know, I was listening to the Instance podcast, which is a World of Warcraft podcast because I continue to play World of Warcraft like a big nerd. But they were ranting at how much how. And these guys are super fanboys. They're ranting about how unforgivable it is for Blizzard not to have a game out like this, right? They should have been able to execute this quick, if not quicker than like Valve and Riot. Um, and yet there's no evidence at all that they're going to be coming out with something like this. So in some ways, it kind of is, is illustrative of, of you know their dysfunction and, and how they're not really executing against the opportunities that they have in front of them on mobile. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like how these things scale and 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 what regions you know get really excited about this. But the gameplay is good. And I think actually um, uh, Adam is going to talk about some of the gameplay issues, but um, let's hear what he has to say. But yeah, overall we'll we'll neck check back in the next couple of weeks and see how big this thing can be yeah um
3: yeah i I can't comment too much on the gameplay issues to be honest um i need to play it significantly more um but i've been playing it quite a bit and um i've definitely been enjoying it i'm definitely much more on the hearthstone end of the spectrum i'm I'm not really a league player or a dota player um as you said before actions per minute I, i can't kind of micromanage my my time like that. So this is much more my type of game. Um, It's good. The only thing that I really don't like is just how long these rounds are. Like it takes, there's so many rounds building up and it's very, very slow. Um, So versus Hearthstone where you can kind of get a round done in less than 10 minutes, this is significantly longer kind of 40 minutes. Um, But it does feel nice. Like I'm, I am a big uh, Slay the Spire player. I don't know if you guys have ever played that game, Um, but Slay the Spire, it's kind of like playing that, um, against a whole bunch of other people in a group um, while you kind of watch your card deck um, improve over time, which I really like. Um, but I think what I'm marveling at right now is just how fast this was. So if you think about it, the, the original mod was released in January 4th of this year. Um, by like February, March, the dev was already talking about taking it to mobile. Uh, and in April that mod had hit 8 million subscribers. And now in June, roughly six months after that mod was released, you've already got Riot and Valve both releasing games and Valve launching their mobile version and their first mobile game ever. Like, that's just how quickly this thing escalated. Because I remember talking about it back in January, about, you know, this promising new mod. But man, like, this is this is quite a ridiculous turnaround um and i think overall just with the design it's going to be massive for mobile um this is far better suited for mobile than than league or dota was um but i think in terms of just to speak to that timeline after dota and after the battle royale uh where essentially you have like these massive free-to-play games kind of being born from mods. This whole mod market arbitrage strategy um, is is pretty clear. Like it, it definitely can work. So I think um, Valve and Riot, huge kudos to those guys for being able to, to take these games, like take the trajectory that Auto Chess was on and say, let's actually build out a game this quickly around it. A coincidence, I guess, that they were able to both launch roughly at the same time. Um, and just to speak about Flat-Footed Blizzard, um, of course, whenever you're a company as large as Blizzard, as large as Valve, as large as Riot, it's really, really hard to kind of react. But yeah, like Valve and Riot have really shown that they can they can adapt, and they see this kind of clear mod market arbitrage. And when it's a when it's a land grab type of situation with this arbitrage strategy, you kind of have to be able to move quickly. Um, to your point, Eric, about Hearthstone, so far, at least, I haven't seen too much of a dip in Hearthstone's audience. Um, So if you look at their kind of Twitch stats, it's not as if they're taking like a sizable dip in their audience as players are, moving but we'll see over time i think um when we saw fortnite and apex launch and you kind of saw the transition of say minecraft to fortnite and cod to apex that was a bit clear uh, but in this case um, it's actually more clear like or it, it's not as um not as directional um but overall i would say the signs were on the wall that this kind of strategic free-to-play uh market needed a change earthstones Hearthstone players were incredibly frustrated with that meta, especially as they started shifting towards launching significantly more card packs over time, um, and this just made uh, a very stale game It was ripe for change. Um, one question that I'm going to be kind of asking myself over time is going to be interesting how MTX comes into these games. Um if you think about riot and valve these guys are absolute juggernauts of cosmetic economies if there's anybody that can make this work with only cosmetics it would be these guys Um, but it's just kind of a weird game for cosmetics because you kind of play on your own board for you know uh, during these kind of loot rounds um, and it's it's just kind of auto playing in front of you so uh, i would say it's going to be weaker than dota or league in terms of how those cosmetics work but still cosmetics should Should be working. Um, But then the question is, you know, how would they actually add any other types? Are they going to be starting to add new characters that you can purchase? Are there going to be these, like, card packs that you can kind of unlock and new characters, this type of thing? Um, Or is Dota and Lee going to kind of stick to their guns and just stick with cosmetics? And most likely it's going to be just cosmetic um, just because it's going to be such a land grab for audience and they don't want anything to kind of set them apart from their their audience. Uh, But then that comes into... Uh, with Hearthstone being so stale and Auto Chess being such a critical market, who's going to be able to keep this as fresh as possible? And what's going to be the key kind of um, changes necessary by each dev to keep these games interesting. So are they going to be continually launching new characters um, or are they going to be just kind of um, creating new competitions, etc.? cetera? Um, so yeah, that's really what I'm going to be paying attention to. I don't want really to have too much more f- feedback on it yet just because I want to watch As things develop. Um, And one thing, too, just to keep in mind, that it's not just Blizzard, Riot, Valve. Uh, Also, Epic has the exclusive rights to the original mod developer on PC, just on PC. Uh, The studio is called DRODO Studio. So they've created their own mobile game, and they will partner with Epic on PC. So uh, not only those three, you've also got Epic in the chase. And then, of course, you've got plenty of developers
0: going to be chasing after the space, as um, JK
3: mentioned. Mishka?
0: Hmm. yeah yeah I, I i have to say the same thing i was i was amazed how fast riot and valve came out with new games based on success of a mod on twitch like I, I remember at the studio like some of the guys were talking about like listen check out this mod and this is how it plays and kind of describing me this game and and you know kind of pitching an idea that we should be doing something about it and Next thing you know, Riot and Valve and and all these other games, all these other game companies came out with with their own versions. And this is an interesting part. There seems to be tons of competition. Even if you now type Auto Chess to App Store, uh, you can start seeing a lot of games that came out with their versions. And I think the challenge with this this new game is that the entry barrier is extremely high, and that is likely due to the characters. It's like the uh, the complexity of the characters. The you know the complexity of the game is just so deep. I tried playing this, uh, a game called auto chess, not even the, uh, the Dota version of it. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I was the visual communication and everything was just a little bit too much. But again, I think this entry barrier is high only for, for companies that are sort of a, uh, trying to copy Dota uh, or league of legends and then kind of come up with their own version of it. And and thus have this complicated visual communication, but the the entry of barrier is actually much lower, and I would argue even low for players who have played League of Legends and are playing League of Legends, or who have played Dota, or you know Heroes of the Storm and that kind of stuff, uh, because. Because they know those characters, they know how they behave, they they kind of, you know, understand what the synergies are, they know they are the lords, they know everything. So for them, it, it feels comfortable and it feels like something new and fresh versus it feels overwhelming for old guys like myself. And I, you know, I was asking our guys here at the studio, like, hey, how, how do you play this game? And I got sent a link to a video that was ninety minutes, and I was like, "Go fuck!" <laughs> like, I'm not gonna like, <laughs> like, listen. But um, I'd be I'd be also worried about this uh, monetization uh, for the competitors. Like, I understand League of Legends and Dota. I mean, they control their own channels. They have the players. They don't have any problems here. But if you're a competitor, you want to compete against these big boys here. Um. League of Legends and, and Dota, you know, Dota what what's the Dota game called? Uh it was called Underlords, yeah. So Dota Underlords, they they sort of set a ceiling on how much on what's, what's basically your ARP Ardbow because they're going to price themselves really, really, really low. So how are you going to compete against them? I mean, you don't have the IP, and suddenly you want to compete with the you know the similar type of gameplay, and you have to teach the players and so forth. So I think it's 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 going to be the competition between these two, and I hoped that it would have been competition also for Blizzard because. Blizzard has tons of fantastic characters, like all those Heroes of the Storm characters that are not being used. I mean, I know the game is kind of alive, but oh, it's so sad. Why, why didn't they jump on this? Like this is this is this this the thing you should have been doing right away just port them just make it like you you have this w- what are you what are you waiting for like how slow is the organization and when we're talking about you know being flat-footed we see valve being already with their underlords on mobile which is insane uh insanely fast for them um you know so so i'm kind of asking like where's the uh, where's the other king like where, where's the king of mobile like supercell like shouldn't they be also on this on this bandwagon, I mean, if you think about like Clash right? Clash of Clans world, they have all these extremely familiar characters. And this this type of gameplay Seems to be right up in the alley of of Supercell. You know, it's engaging. It's PvP. It's uh, it's it's very clear. It's super mobile. It's it's watchable. It's streamable. Uh, it lends itself to esports. And it's kind of like you you were talking about Blizzard being flat-footed. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit amazed that that in a way Supercell is being a little bit flat-footed. I, w- I would have expected them to come up with their own version and kind of control the mobile uh, when it comes to um, auto chess games. Yeah. No. Maybe. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think, um,
3: yeah, I, I think with Supercell, I think it, they, they get a little bit more of a pass. So I'm assuming, similar to Brawl Stars, they're going for a little bit more of a, a deeper change if they're going into this market.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I was just hoping because that would have been the game that I would have played. Like, give me some, give me some goddamn Lancers and Hog Riders and Barbarians, and I would understand that immediately, or at least the Blizzard characters. But you give me these Dota characters. Damn, I, I I get like flashbacks of bag bad experience playing Dota, being harassed <laughs> online by some goddamn kids calling me something but it's just (laughs)
3: um no but i think if there's anybody that can actually figure out this market to to make it a bit more accessible for mobile it would be super simple even if you think about just taking clash royale um and just turning it into more of an auto chess type of situation like a mode in clash royale
0: i agree um, i would that would work i agree Supercell, get on it. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Dr. Mario World hitting Android and iOS, basically hitting mobile uh, next month. So, Adam. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, let's dive right into this. Uh, so, Dr. Mario World coming July 10th. Uh, this re- was reported by Polygon. Um, so, just to keep in mind about this game, um, this is a Nintendo internal development again. Um, so, similar to what we've talked about in Mario Kart Tour. Um, and, of course, if you've played things like Mario Run um, or Animal Crossing, uh, this was all internal Nintendo development. Um, so uh, you can watch the videos of the gameplay, um, and it looks like it's actually a great adaption of that core uh, Dr. Mario-style game uh, where... Um, similar to the original, uh, now you're actually dragging and dropping each individual piece onto the uh, playfield, and instead of it actually being sort of pieces falling from uh, the top down to the bottom, you're actually dragging things from the bottom up to the top. So it's slightly different, but at the same time, um, they had to make these kind of changes to make it work for that drag and drop type of feel for mobile. Um, So I definitely applaud them for that. Um, Another major change here is that it's match three over match four. Um, So uh, if you've played the original, it will be slightly different, but at the same time, um, it's going to feel a lot more familiar to matching players, match three players on mobile. Um, And I think if you've been uh, working in the matching space, uh, I would equate this pretty similar to bubble shooters. Um, in terms of kind of the luck skill factor and how they're probably going to have to approach things like level design um, because it's mostly about kind of like dropping these uh, little, little cells up on top and trying to match uh, as many of these as possible. Uh, you can also make some bad moves where these kind of chain. Um, I would equate this pretty similarly to bubble shooters in terms of how they're going to perform, in terms of how that kind of luck to skill ratio uh, gets created. Um, but um, uh, what I'm really enjoying about this is that it looks like it's really Nintendo coming around to kind of modern mobile design. So uh, the actual monetization system looks like it's going to be pretty in line with uh, most match three games. So with the Candy Crush economy, mm-hmm. and they are aiming for a ton of levels, um, adding plenty uh, post-launch. Um, and main monetization comes from extra moves, boost pre-game, boost during game, Boost post game um, and things like hearts, so pretty common to the Candy Crush style formula. Um, on top of this, they also have a gotcha economy, so there's some ways of uh, actually summoning different doctors that you can then use as companions uh, through play, um, which is going to be very, very interesting. So, I think my my big question for this is going to be for you, for you guys is whether you think this is going to be a match three contender um, compared at the same level as something like King Peak and Playrix. Um, so my my take on this before I hand it off. Um, I, I definitely applaud Nintendo on this in terms of being able to create a competent match three game with a great brand. I'm looking forward to playing it just to make sure uh, all those details are there. Uh, Cause at the high level, it looks like it's working um, just to kind of frame it around the brands. Dr. Mario as a brand, even though I'm a huge fan that doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, Dr. Mario is actually quite a weak brand in Nintendo's playbook. Um, So if you compare it to Fire Emblem, it's significantly weaker. And if you compare it to Pokemon, Mario, and Zelda, it's significantly weaker than that. Um, And that's just coming from Google Trends. Um, So in terms of competing at King, peak play Playrix kind of level, it's unlikely globally just based on kind of working in the match three space and how important things like difficulty curve is and how important things like events are um, to kind of driving the success of the game. Um, However, uh, this could be very big in Japan, of course, um, and this also depends highly on that gotcha component as well as their difficulty design. Um, On gotcha, I've done plenty of research into this. Um, from working in matching space for a while. Um, plenty of people have tried to uh, try their attempts at adding a gotcha system, and I think the only kind of working one so far that I've seen is Candy Crush Friends. Uh, Line have tried to do this plenty of times for the Japanese market, but it's not really been that simple, um, just because in order to create a whole variety of different abilities for these types of characters... Um, is pretty difficult and if you're pretty limited like here if you only have mario peach bowser luigi as doctors that's a pretty limited gacha pool so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they actually create the depth in the gacha pool for that um but i think disney zoom is the only game that's really figured this one out but then that game is significantly more event driven than say saga driven um so i think it's unlikely nintendo figures this
2: out uh eric yeah i mean for me this looks like nintendo is finally getting smart on mobile you know compared to like the cart game which i think is going to be a a trouble for them this looks like kind of taking their spin on a match three game you know which is you know it makes sense right you know traditional manga design they have and then with some unique style puzzles that they're building i think it's, it's a really cool idea you know And for me, I think it's the right pragmatic strategy, you know, to leverage a brand with proven gameplay and monetization design. You know, my original thesis on Nintendo and when they announced that they were going on iOS and Android is that they wouldn't make games like this, right? They would make games that leverage their core gameplay uh, successes that would not translate well to mobile. And I think after four years of failure, they decided that maybe that wasn't the right approach and they're kind of moving to kind of the strategy that I would have recommended back then is again leveraging their IP with existing uh, uh, gameplay mechanics and, and monetization design so I honestly don't know how sure how well this game can do I'm sure if there's deep spend the Japanese guys are going to spend like mad on this and maybe it doesn't do as well in the West I don't know but I do think it's it's a again a better move for them to uh, to leverage their IP on mobile. Um, and, I, and again, leveraging their IP, innovating on, on gameplay, but, but taking traditional game design and monetization design, I think is the right approach for them. And, and I hope that we continue to see this going forward. Joseph?
1: Yeah, so I'm a little bit more skeptical on this game it, it, for a couple of reasons. First, it, it feels a bit more of a, of a puzzle game rather than a match three so it, 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 you know, again, I don't know too much because all I could tell was from the video, but it kind of feels more like Tetris plus Match 3. You know, that's, it, it, So it's kind of really hard to say exactly how it plays. But if that's the case, it feels like level design may be a bit more difficult than a match 3. So you, know, I, I guess a few things that I worry about is, first, in terms of the gameplay, you know, while it's great that they've innovated, but it's not clear if if based on that innovation, it'll be as popular as a typical match three where you you, you know that that's like a proven gameplay model and mode that, that players really love. And then secondly, in terms of the level design, uh, if it is a lot more difficult, that could put them into a difficult position if they can't crank out the content fast enough to satisfy users. And one of the things that we've seen with games like you know match 3 is that some of some of these games are are more about content consumption in in terms of like having enough levels to provide for players to play through rather than just you know sort of core gameplay that you're able to play over and over again so i'm i'm worried about that part as well so so the, the gameplay innovation the level design um, yeah, I think monetization. I'm not so worried about because it should be on par with other match threes at least. Uh, and, and and you know certainly they can kind of emulate and copy the other match threes. And and something that I'm just kind of thinking about right now, but you know, a conversation I've, I've been having with um a, a lot of other studios is 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 what we've seen in the market is so many so many companies are coming into the match three space, right? And it's it's kind of you know. In, in my opinion, kind of the the dumb thing that a lot of these, you know, uh, corpse strat teams from these large companies do is they'll be like, okay, what's let's look at all the different market, you know, genres in the space. What's the biggest genre? What's the biggest, you know, what's the biggest growth category? And, and Match 3 is the biggest genre, is the highest growth category. And so everybody's jumping in. And so you've got a ton of competition coming in against competitors who've been entrenched in this marketplace for a really long time and one of the things that i know that nintendo does not have is you know incredibly high sophistication on the user acquisition side at least from you know at least a western market perspective and so you know when it comes to understanding how much they can spend how much they can buy and then also having a significant technological infrastructure as far as you know, understanding how to balance and, and, and tune levels. I'm sure you know, like a company like King probably has a lot of machine learning against that. And then just a lot of technical infrastructure around sales and merchandising and things like that, that's not something that Nintendo is going to have. And so for me, I hope the game does well, but I would put myself a lot more on the skeptical side rather than the optimistic one. So I'm, I, I would say I'm not hugely negative and... You know, anytime you've got Nintendo IP, you've always got a shot, but I would say that, uh, you know, unlike you guys, I'm definitely a lot more skeptical. Mishka?
0: You have a shot, and I think this is exactly that. This game has a shot, but my question is, like, who is this game for? I mean, it looks really fun. It looks highly accessible. Uh, They have a unique core gameplay for for the puzzle category, which is always great, and, and, you know, um, yeah, but traditionally, if we look at the uh, the success on 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 the on the puzzle market, none of the IP games had had really success on mobile uh, in these puzzle categories. And and when you look at the the audience, it, we're talking about mostly about female and a little bit of a, a little bit on the mature side. Uh, so how well does Mario resonate with that, or are we going after sort of a new audience, like like? you know, dudes like ourselves or just Nintendo, like, or yourselves, you guys are Nintendo fanboys. Uh, I could give, you know, uh, but, but, um, this is like, like for you guys, like, is this, is this the thing for you to play? Like this is your match three game. And, and what, what, JK, what you said is exactly true. It's like these games in order to succeed in this market, number one, content, you have to have tons of content. You have be pushing out new levels like never before and when we look at the, some of the newest games like matching dimension or playrex wow that's a that's a content treadmill just an insane i mean the way they with the events that they do but also just the uh, the the graphics that they that you know the, the amount of of content they produce in terms of like visual is just insane and the second part is ua we've seen playrex and um let's call them firecraft studios <laughs> uh, uh, we've seen the, seen these guys go to war it, you know in such a crazy war that that it even caused glue to take a hit on the side because you know they couldn't market kim kardashian or design home on the side because they were battling so hard for this female audience so so we're kind of in, in a position where we're like nintendo fanboys hey you guys here's uh here's a puzzle game for you guys so so in sense it does have a chance if it can tap to that new audience, but if it competes against other puzzle games, they're, I mean, they're 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 going to be like Toy Story Drop. Have you guys seen what happened with Toy Story Drop? I mean, it dropped. It it just it came out, and, and that's that's the latest one. It's it's top 300 grossing. Like that name was indicative. <laughs> it's like, and and this is this is from Big Fish. Like they know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, so it's, it's not like their first, you know, uh, blast game or match game and they had pretty good IP. Um, I don't know how well that, that movie did. I'd probably have to go and see it with my kid, but, but, um, but yeah, uh, so, so IP great, but, but what's your audience?
2: Keep in keep in mind guys, this is being made by line, right? NHN, right? They, they kind of know what they're doing. This is,
0: yeah. Yeah, and and I and I mainly I mainly uh, said about Western audience. So again, uh, it might be that that line, yeah, line Japan or line Korea that you know they they might eat it up like 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 I don't know steaks and potato there and like Mario. No matter in what form it comes, they love it. But but it's just like yeah. So we went from like super positive to like. Mm, yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean to be negative i'm just asking a question of of like who is this who is this game for i will i'll for sure play it it looked really really fun but then but yeah then again i do i do actually play a lot of match three games so i i love matching dimension i'm sorry
3: <laughs> uh jk i just want to ask the question about the level design can you go into oh, yeah. specifics on like where you see the concerns on the level design
1: Oh, it it seemed like if it was kind of like Tetris plus the match, uh, I'm just not sure to get those to be actually design those levels if it's going to be more like a match three game or more like a like a puzzle game where there's going to have to be it's going to take longer to design those levels to make them feel good and, and for them to be fun.
3: So. Yeah. But, but I think in typical, any like Candy Crush or Bubble Witch Saga, um, like I, I would really try to equate this closer to a bubble shooter in terms of how they have to do their level designs. Um, that's how I'd approach it as Nintendo. And I think you can still create plenty of content in this space. Um, but... Uh, unlike things like Canyon Crush, you have to play a lot more with vertical space. Like You actually have to create really, really long levels that kind of slowly shift through, especially when you've got this kind of drag-and-drop mechanic. They don't have a lot of pieces on the screen at the same time. Um, so I, I think their challenges set out for them, but I think if they follow the bubble shooter saga kind of approach and aim for you know a mix of puzzles but of course there's plenty of randomization in the level um to actually keep it interesting and uncertain whether or not you're going to be able to finish it and they've got a a steep enough difficulty curve that they'll actually be using the boosts Um, then they have a chance but um yeah i'll play it on july 10th and i'll take my notes but yeah
0: right Ah, hopefully hopefully we'll make it we'll bring new audience to match three and that'll be that'll be awesome because the category is after all the category is growing in revenues for like 20 percent a year uh so it's still and the an biggest category as it is on mobile anyways let's talk about another game that i <laughs> um the, the another game uh harry potter from jam city so um no not harry potter Jam City. We about <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's not Let, it's not Jam City. About
0: Harry Potter, <laughs> Wizards Unite, and their worldwide launch, which began on June twenty first, which is like only five days ago. So the much awaited mobile game launched with events similar to Pokemon Go Fests. And the game was originally supposed to only come out in the US and UK on the Friday twenty-first, and then kind of begin its worldwide launch and rolling out. And in, you know, Niantic's plan was to make it available in more regions in the future, and they promised to release more info when it goes live in other locations. But as of today, it's like five years past. It, it's it's already available worldwide. So um, so much for the rollout, or or I kind of kind of didn't didn't understand. So maybe maybe they changed their plans and just went all in. And before that, it was soft launched in New Zealand and Australia in May. So, a one month soft launch. I mean, it seems like they have plenty of conviction. Um, and wow, yes, Harry Potter from Jam City. I want to talk about Harry Potter from Jam City, not the Harry Potter from Niantic, which this one is, just to give a reference, because we saw previously, about a year and a half ago, a launch of a Harry Potter game. Uh, back then, during the first month, they got about 14 million stalls. These, all of the numbers that we have is coming in from amazing sensor tower data. So anyways, uh, 14 million stalls. They got about 8 million in net revenue during the first month. And then up to 16 million in net revenue in the the second month, and then they kind of are in this in this ballpark of about five million a month in net revenue with about two million installs. So so you know, um, pretty okay. Nothing nothing you know nothing crazy, but but a lot of installs still coming in. And what's interesting about the Jam City's Hogwarts Mystery game was that it hit top five grossing on day one, and. You know, as you guys probably remember, the game had all sorts of pro- problems, but nevertheless, you know, it was top five during, during launch. It kind of dropped to top 50 by the end of, in, inside the month, and then it was around hoovering in that top 100 uh, for, for several months, uh, grossing US on, on, on iOS. So as of today, Niantic's Harry Potter, so five days in, they have 5 million installs already. And they have about 1.5 million in net revenue, according to Sensor Tower. So it seems like they're on track with a similar uh, install rate. And the way App Store is pushing them, they might be even higher than than the uh, the 14 million. I mean, it's it's on front page of that new redesigned App Store all the time. Like, did you did you download this game? Did you download? It? Anyways, um, nevertheless, they've currently cracked the top 20 grossing. So. At the moment, I think they're like 16 or 17 on in games on iOS US. And it seems, you know, pretty stable at that area. It seems to kind of fluctuate between 15 and 17 uh, during these few days. So based on early signs, this is my question for you guys. Like I, you know, I'm again, I'm this is a kind of I'm I'm looking at this for the side because I'm not a Harry Potter fan at all. And I'm just trying to assess this in, a, in 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 a kind of like objective way. So it, to me, it feels like either we're looking at a game which really holds players, and it just has a slow monetization that will pick up. Uh, Jam City kind of had the same thing, except that they already hit top one gross, top you know top top five, and and actually increased from that point. Or option B is this game underperforming. Uh, I I didn't really play a lot of location-based games. I I'm not a fan of Pokemon either. Uh, I played the, uh, the 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 Walking Dead game from Next Games, you know didn't blow my hair out but but and neither neither did this i'm, I'm just being honest like a, from from games perspective it doesn't mean that i have to like a game in order to to think it's a success it's like there's plenty of games that i think are total shit and they're super successful and i understand why but you know as a player i'm just not a fan so i'm asking you guys like is this game looking like it's underperforming like the expectations are high so so uh by underperforming i mean does this game look like it's going to be one of the biggest games of of the year or are we, is this game really performing and we're just looking at slow monetization, it's going to pick up from there because the retention is going to be amazing. So, Eric, what do you think?
2: All right, I'll go on this one. Um, I wish I had prepared a little bit more on this because I, I was kind of assuming that everyone thought this was not going to do as well. <laughs> so... Um, the, the, uh, frankly, uh, you, you have the wrong comp, right? The, the Harry Potter game from Jam City is a completely different animal. This is a location-based game, similar to mm-hmm. Jurassic World, um, obviously Pokemon Go, and that um, uh, whatever the other, you know, zombie one. Um, and fundamentally, I don't know if with, with Pokemon Go was like this epic, you know, hit because Pokemon is a super popular thing with a lot of people. And even though it like had its big heyday in the first couple of months and fell off, um they still are doing like thirty to forty million dollars a month now, so it's like it's a huge game and so in comparison, there's just no way that something like Harry Potter has that kind of like fanboy you know fervent interest right and so so far, five million downloads million and three in revenue is kind of what I'm looking at. I think it's not terrible, right, but it's not even close to where Pokemon go was obviously. And then also it actually is very familiar, similar to where Jurassic world was at this point in time, um, which has done, I think about $35 million to date. Um, so far below the hundreds of millions that um, Pokemon go does. So I think it's kind of a Jurassic world thing and we'll keep tracking it to see, but I just don't think this has the broad appeal. Now I played the game and I actually kind of like it, right? I mean, it's a very simplistic gameplay, like, but I'm not getting off my fat ass at, you know, and and running around and, you know, collecting, doing spells and collecting creatures and stuff. But, uh and, and I, but I'm certainly not the target demo, but I just don't think, again, the appeal of Harry Potter is high enough to keep people engaged for an extended period of time, the way they have with Pokemon Go. That's kind of my main point. And I, and I think these location-based games, we're just never going to live up to the uh, hype of and and success that we saw with um, with Pokemon go. And uh, you know, one, yeah. And that's, that's kind of my take. Well, I mean, and we'll, and we'll see, but I, but so far it does not look like it's going to be a top game for the year. Not even close.
1: Yeah. For me, I, and and I guess, you know, this game is probably not a great game for us to be covering so much, just given that none of us seem to play this game. And then, Adam, since he works at Warner Brothers, can't comment, but... Um, he can't
0: comment. He can comment. Let's not count Adam out.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: no, no. I am staying as far away from this as possible. I am not I am not here. There is no Adam in this conversation.
1: So, you know, so I don't play these games. And, you know, even when I worked at NBC Universal, I, I didn't even play Jurassic World Live so... But I guess the one thing I don't get about this Harry Potter game is aren't these other games, whether it's Pokemon Go or Jurassic World Alive, is it aren't these games more about collection? In which case, I would be a little bit concerned because is there a strong motivation to collect, you know, let's say one human wizard over another? I, I think that from a collectability perspective, collection games that generally do better are collection games where there's a wide cast of characters that have High differentiation amongst the you know different types of, of of characters, and so if i'm seeing like one you know human like wizard versus another i mean i i just i don't know I, I that's what i that's what I worry about and and so again in my uninformed opinion based on just that simple concept and not and, and looking at the success of the other location based games is that i I I think that this game, you know, may be profitable, but in terms of the high expectations that a lot of folks have, I don't think it makes it. And so, and in particular, I'm talking about, for example, App Annie predicted your prediction for a hundred million in the first 30 days, I I think is just kind of crazy. So um, maybe we can just, you know, we haven't done predictions in a little while. So maybe we can uh, just kind of go around the room You know, maybe including Adam. I don't don't know if. No, let's let's leave Adam
0: out. He's not even on the call anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, so so maybe we can make a prediction on Appiani's prediction about whether this game will make over 100 million in its first 30 days. I'm going to take the under on this. I'm going to say it doesn't make it, and I'm going to say it's it's a big miss. But uh, wait a
2: minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I, when you said 100 million, I thought you meant like in the first year. <laughs> said,
1: yeah, that's what I thought. I Annie, I mean, that is <laughs> yeah,
2: fucking but... lunacy. Oh, excuse my language. Yeah, that is no, absolutely no. ridiculous. Like, there's just no <laughs> way that that could ever happen.
1: <laughs> I mean, what we the heck? A day. Go ahead. All right. So
0: that's some like supercell numbers. All
1: right. So we, we, we've got two unders. Mishka,
0: what, what's your take? Uh, so so listen uh, 100 million during the first year. I believe in that, and if they do that, that's that's great. That's awesome. That, that that is. I know that they 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 put probably their their targets higher, but I, I firmly believe that they can make 100 million in net revenue during the first year, and uh, and they should be proud of it. It's it's a it's a solid you, game.
2: You're out of your mind, dude. There's no way, dude. This, first of all, this game is not profitable. Like even if they do 50 million, <laughs> I, I, sorry. If they do 100 million, okay, fine. It might be profitable, but I, I, I think the over under is probably around 50 million, maybe if they're lucky. And in mean, and- net revenue, Cause- yeah, net revenue. There's just no way that this they're going to be able to say, sustain. What what are we talking about here? Am I looking at the wrong game? Come on. <laughs> I, listen, listen. If if we look at
0: the numbers, if we look at Jurassic World Alive, which is according to Mister Eric Kress, the right comp. So uh, <laughs> that game got about 15 million installs and made closer to 40 million in net revenue during a year. Can longer, Harry? Yeah. Well, what do you think? Can Harry me. Potter make three times that? Like Jurassic Park was just one movie and.
2: Yeah. First of all, Jurassic Park was not well, just one movie. I think it's been four or five. So. Yeah, but who, who watches like the
0: old one? with Like who – who's it was the actor, like the Adam maybe. I don't – come on. It was 93. <laughs> like, who cares? It's like E.T. All, right. all
2: right. Hold on. Hold on. OK. <laughs> I'm getting ranty. Sorry. No, I, I, I should, I'm not going to rant on this one because I, I – I, 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 Maybe we should hold off till next week or next week yeah. when we get two weeks of data. But if the revenue starts declining after two after a week, which I think is very, very likely, mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking about maybe they get to thirty five million or you know to fifty million max, you know. But no way. They're, we... gonna 100. <laughs> They're gonna make hundred
0: easily. They're gonna make hundred walking backwards. You're just <laughs> trying on. to incite me, aren't you? No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. just trying to make okay. this
0: podcast fun i'm, I'm being right, positive right, right. i'm being positive the guys are great they, they got neante guys they got the warner brother mobile guys they're working together they have a fantastic ip why shouldn't they make at least hundred millions
2: well, there's honestly, no reason like, all right so now I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna chill out a little bit so basically <laughs> what, what joseph said was totally true right is that the fundamental problem with this game is going to be that there is no compelling reason to collect a bunch of creatures that you have no affinity or care about at all, right? It's the same issue that we her, see brother. with these RPGs that have IPs attached that are not as compelling as something like Star Wars or, you know, um, Marvel, et cetera, right? When you take Pokemon and you and and there's a gazillion thousands of Pokemon that people have some affinity for, there's this compelling reason to collect and compelling reason to keep playing because you're actually continuing that collection. And collection has been a key mechanic in Western games in order to make money, unlike Eastern games, which is just a different story. So fundamentally, there's nothing to collect in Harry Potter world that is as compelling as Pokemon. And so that's not going to keep players engaged. And so what I think you're going to see is that you're going to see the downloads kind of just peter out and then, uh, you know, revenue will decline with it, right? The same way they always do. Um, and, but we'll see, you know, and I think by next week, two weeks worth of data is going to basically prove my point. I think um, uh, similar to like what happened with WWE and what's likely going to happen to Diner Dash for Glue. Mm-hmm. I got to throw the Glue under the bus. Just oh, before,
0: again, just are before. we again on Glue? Okay, so
2: we're, <laughs> we're, we're stopping this podcast right
0: now before we jump in into Glue, uh, Eric's favorite topic. And I'm going to take my reserve battery I'm gonna kick off. Wizards unite right about now, and just go collect some fucking ghosts or whatnot. So y'all have a y'all have a good night <laughs> or good day. All right, thank yeah, Thanks. thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I'm gonna go and play my. I'm glad I was uh, not involved in that conversation at all. <laughs> all right, thank you everybody for listening and tune in next week. Bye. Later.
1: Bye.